Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. This morning I am joined by Josh Cox who makes me absolutely belly laugh. He is absolutely brilliant. If you want to know about WordPress, he's your man. But he has a secret which he didn't tell me even over a two-hour meeting, which was that he was a weightlifter and believe a champion weightlifter at that. Is that right? It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I often don't say it because the, the most common reaction I get is, you know, you do weightlifting? Because looking at me, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a big person. I'm not, I, I mean, I used to be heavier, to be fair. I used to be bulky. I used to be more muscle, you know, more muscly. But uh, I mean, certainly at the minute, I'm just normal, sort of, you know, thin and, and everything. So I always get that reaction. So it's something that... Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess there's probably a, a hint of modesty as well that um, I, you know, um, I don't like to, I, don't, I guess I don't shout and, and rant and rave about uh, about myself, probably as much as I should do as a business owner. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it is true. Yeah. So what I love about you, and I'm going to pick up on this not shouting and, and going out there, is you're not a big, I mean, you're coming on a live stream on LinkedIn. This isn't normal for you because you don't do, really do social media, do you? No, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I put out a, a bit of an awkward LinkedIn post last night just to say, you know, <laughs> join me, uh, catch me on the, you know, on, on the why is why. Um, but uh, yeah, and, it, and it, I think it's probably quite bizarre because I, I work in a very digital world, you know, being a web developer, um, solely working within the, you know, within the internet. But um, I, I think just uh, social media, it, it's never really had my attraction, to be fair. And I, personally, I, I've, I've found it more harm than good. I, I know it does a lot of great things, but there's, there's also been a personal side too. I know that I've, I, you know, fessing up. I, I, you know, there's been times where I've spent, you know, I've, I've quite easily lost an hour just mindlessly kind of scrolling. And um, so that's why I, I kind of made a decision to cut it out of my life, essentially. I, I still have a LinkedIn presence, obviously, to connect and, and, you know, when I go networking to make those connections and for, certainly for the messaging features, but I try not to um, sort of do so much of the scrolling and posting as it's more of a personal preference. But yeah, so I do understand the power of it, but um See, I love that because I told all my clients that you, and this is why I asked you on, if your website, I've got a big thing about your website is like your department store with the way that people purchase today, social media is just a door that people can walk through. So it's no different to having your print. It's no different to go out networking or going to an event and having a stand. It's a door. So I always liken it back to my days in Harrods or Selfridges where you have the department you want to go to and that's signposted from the minute you walk in the door and that's actually your website and I'd love us to explore this a little bit because I really feel that your website is the most important aspect of your business it is your department store it should be user-friendly it should be optimized for mobile first this is me talking and I'm just somebody who advises people on how to do them and then I, I go yeah I don't do that I'll get you Josh I'll get you Otterworks I'll get you one of my great guys because I'm not that person. So can you talk to me a little bit about how a website should feel and look? Absolutely. And you're, you're right in, in everything that you're saying. Um, I, I mean, the, for instance, when a client comes to us and says they want a website, some of the, the, the first key questions that we always ask them back is, is, is actually, do you have a brand in place? Because that, that's what your website should to look and feel like it should embody your brand. Your brand is your initial sort of community. Well, it's not your initial, it's your communication to the world. It's it should sum up your your values, your USPs, your 
demographic of what you want to you know target and and that's ultimately what we would run across the whole website from everything from making sure that the logo is on point the assets that we use are are fitting with your brand the the fonts the colors um even the overall messaging and, and perhaps the user journey as well that it would all just stem from that that initial branding so that's something that um we we just really need to make sure that clients have got right you know in their head before we take their website because it, as i said it just plays such a a big foundation into how their website would look um but yeah and and, and you're absolutely right with regards to um you know a, a, a website being a, a platform essentially i mean it used to be you know you know 50 years ago that you'd walk down the high street and that's how you would find your local businesses and it it could be a pet store or uh hairdressers or, or or whatever it is and there are lots of different sales channels out there as you as you spoke about uh, you know you can go networking and um you know, social media and Google ads, there's, there's so many out there. But ultimately, in, in a lot of the cases, you're, you're driving people to your website to almost understand what it is that you do. Because often, if you're at a networking event, maybe you can't explain fully what you do in, in 30 seconds, in 20 seconds, in a minute. And that's why people want to actually understand a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and see if you're the right fit. Because I think we as humans, certainly with the internet at our fingertips, we like to do our own research. We like to think that we know everything and, and you know it, it's that sort of mentality and, and we're not far wrong you know it's that sort of self-justification of, of I want to know what I'm getting into and obviously you speak to an expert because that's what you're going for but you need to make sure that you're speaking to the right expert so that's where that research comes in I think to it, of looking at someone's website understanding what they do visiting their blog checking out their their YouTube channel um, and getting a feel before you in, engage in working with them. Thank you, because that's exactly, well, that's why I invited you on the show, because that, co that coffee was, both of us sitting there going, oh my God, we're on the same page. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's really cute. And I do, I shop like that. So my recent purchase was a frying pan. Now, we talk about loyalty here. So um, your website also builds that loyalty. I know it's going to sound silly referring it to a frying pan, but I had to buy a new frying pan. Now, it turns out the frying pan that we had wasn't going to work any longer. It was 22 years old but we didn't realize I didn't realize because it came with my husband so then I did all the research and actually it was reading I must have read um all of the best frying pan guides for 2023 I must have I've been I went to three different company websites the usability of the site that I actually went to was what I went I bought it from but I did buy it from a big online company because the online company was cheaper than the, the company website but I read and did a lot of research and I think it's important I even did some social media to check what people were saying for the reviews and that's what I kind of say to people don't put all your eggs in social media but do put an awful lot of focus on your website because it's it's key for me <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and uh, although you, uh, you know you mentioned the frying pan not being a, a, a huge huge sort of item but but to last 22 years, there's that that's that's a hell of a feat, to be fair. So it's something that you would want to put a lot of a lot of emphasis on getting it right, because ultimately, maybe you want the next one to last 22 years, you know. Um, so I can completely that's, understand. That's the same with your website, and this is what people think. They go, "All right, I'm launching a business," and I and I the re again, I asked you on. You spend all your time launching a business. You spend your time making your socials look great. And then somebody comes to a website that isn't necessarily fit for purpose. And then your customer bounces. Now, I know your websites are absolutely beautiful. They are, Thank you. They are stunning. So how long have you been doing WordPress? 
Uh, so I started Pristine in 2016. Um, that was, it was officially when I got my first paid client under the, under the brand. So, uh, um, but before that, I was dabbling in WordPress as a bit of a freelancer, a couple of my own sort of side hustles, you'd call them now, but small businesses at, at the time. Um, so, I, I mean, officially since 2016 is where I set out my, but, but as probably about uh, two or three years before that, where I was freelancing for an agency, a local agency, and um, as I said, just making some websites personally and for some family and friends. Uh, so, I guess, um, I mean, it's probably close to 10 years of, of WordPress, yeah. but uh, yeah, um, it's just, it, it, yeah, I, I, I think that a lot, there are lots of CMSs out there and lots of website tools, um, lots have come and gone. WordPress has been around since 2003. It's got a huge, huge contributor base. Um, it's really well optimized. It's got a lovely interface for adding content. Um, and I, it sometimes gets a lot of bad rap about uh, not being secure, not being, um, uh, you, you know, uh, fit for purpose for a lot of businesses. And, and that's true to some degree. It doesn't, it's, it's not a one size fits all for the most part, I think. And in a lot of small businesses, it does suit. Um, and, and the security aspects are literally just because WordPress is, is perhaps managed poorly. For instance, you know, plugin and theme updates aren't applied. Plugin and themes aren't properly vetted before they're added to your website. Um, and, and often one of the biggest um, reasons of, say, a breach, a, a hack uh, that, that we would see is, is just with regards to user error. So far as, you know, someone using the same password for multiple websites, their website gets found in a data breach, i.e. with Facebook, just, you know, or eBay, as they've all had big data breaches. And then suddenly your credentials are on the web. I mean, now we do employ tactics to mitigate that, such as 2FA, but they're just some common reasons of, you know, as we, we love WordPress as a brilliant platform, but sometimes it does get a bit of a bad rap. And and I think that's important. So I've got plugins in my on the back of my website that and and they've they keep my site secure. I have a maintenance package for the website, and these are the things that people don't. They, they, and and I was one of them. And I think this is you know I I launched the company on one of those big you know build your own websites, and I got it wrong. I'm going to absolutely freely admit it. I got the complete. I got my website wrong, which is why I now am really passionate about them because you people were. I remember looking at the back-end analytics and people were visiting the site, but they were bouncing and they weren't searching, they weren't scrolling and they weren't reading the content. And I also had too much information on my website. So it was just this whole boulder of words coming at people because I was trying to sell everything at the same time and everything was just, oh, it was so big and clumsy and slow. And then I discovered WordPress and I got the help and I streamlined it. And the plugins, even the SEO plugin, honestly, people, I, if, you, if, you're, if you are sitting there frustrated with your website, get in touch with Josh because you're going to get something that's slick. It's going to be light and it's going to give that. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing you. All right. I'm going to stop that because this is not a sales platform. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. So what I'd really love to know is your journey from weightlifting to WordPress how did that happen um so I, I mean to take you back uh go into huge detail but I mean I started doing uh, weightlifting back uh, in school in, in secondary school um I was really fortunate the the, the school that I went to in, in Didcot had a it was a really high class uh, Olympic weightlifting center 
uh, lottery funded. It was amazing. The, the the coach there was fantastic. He got voted best coach of the year for Britain um, back in around sort of 2012. Um, absolutely brilliant. A great team as well. So, um, and and it really just stemmed from there. I, I, so that's how I got into weightlifting part of the school. Um, I found I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not a sport for for everyone. There's a lot of repetitiveness in it because you're doing essentially the, the variations, but the same two lifts over and over, the snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, but there's something so nice about it that uh, the repetitiveness is nice and the hard work is nice especially when it pays off any sort of marathon runner might tell you that when you finish a marathon you feel amazing it's the same as when you finish a competition or or whatever it is um and and, and i really did that to my early 20s and yeah i was part of the gb squad um certainly in my earlier years from uh, about sort of 14 to 16 i competed internationally a couple of times and um there was this grand prix event in austria um where i did win gold which is quite it's quite nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I did a bit of coaching. Um, the, the, the sad thing about weightlifting, though, is that it, it's not a popular sport. So it, it, it's not something that you can do as a career that will, you know, that will pay the bills. Um, and at the time I was I was sort of getting a little bit of an entrepreneurial itch. I sort of start, I did an apprenticeship and stuff, but in the evenings and the weekends, I started a t-shirt printing business. I started a small magazine, these little tiny bits and pieces. But the one thing that I really liked about starting these businesses um, was building the website of it. I, you know, I, I'd spend a lot of time just uh, playing around with the website, probably more than I, you know, should have, you know, been selling the product or whatever it is. Um, so that really led into the passion. And then that's where I, I you know, I took some, uh, I did some courses, took some uh, exams um, and then started reaching out to some local agencies for some freelance work. And um, and then just one thing led to another. And that's where I uh, parted ways with the, the freelance agent. We had a few differences of opinion and just decided that's it. I'm going to start up on my own and away we go. So, the, yeah, it would have been back in 2016. <laughs> I, I love it. It's, it's, I love the fact that you had a couple of things that you did before and then you found your way because businesses evolve. We as business owners evolve. We as career people actually evolve. You know, um, I can see we've got a comment from Haley, and you look at Haley's life and, and that's evolved. And it's I love the fact that we we're not we, as Catherine Warren, I would say, we're wonky careers or we pivot, but it's those things that make us who we are. So thank you for sharing your journey. So I want to ask you about inspiration and who has inspired you along the way. Great question. So, I mean, it goes without saying, um, you know, people that have been a huge supporter, you know, my partner, and much with any businesses, your, your, your spouse, your partner, if you've got one there, is, is always a huge inspiration um outside of that i there, there are two people I, it goes without saying i have to mention mike foster from the entrepreneur's mentor he's been a huge help i'm his mentoree and i think being a solopreneur which i was for a lot of the time i've had an employee in bits and pieces but but largely being a solopreneur um it's it's something it, you don't realize how important it is to have that conversation with someone to step out of your business and and, and just have a, a top-down look at and, and a bit of a plan of, to see on the horizon what, what's coming up and how you want to shape that journey is, is hugely invaluable. And Mike's one of these people where, he, you know, he, he's not a yes person. He's he's not afraid to tell you his thoughts and challenge you on your own ideas, on your own um, thinking. And, you know, th there's been times where, you know, he's 
he's had to sit down and say, actually, you know, what what you're suggesting isn't the right way forward from my perspective. And then show me, you know, his his thinking and, and, and how he got there. But certainly, I think just it can be a bit of a lonely place sometimes being a, a sole business owner, owner operator, whatever you want to call them. But having that, you know, having Mike there as a, as a mentor has been hugely valuable. Um, the other person I'd like to give a bit of a, a mention to is, is Ken Burness. Um, we, we started working together. Uh, he's from Cogent Method, uh, an IT consultancy firm. We started working together probably for about a year or so now. Um, we co-work once, uh, once a fortnight on a Thursday uh, because we share a few clients um, and it's really nice to have that collaboration. Um, but, but Ken's whole career has been sort of in, in systems analysis, systems engineering. Um, he's been an IT professor at Reading. So he comes with a whole wealth of, of knowledge, which I feel like I've learned quite a lot from. And that's sort of, I mean, I, I, I used to do it to some degree before about actually understanding the business processes, understanding the requirements and not just jumping into technology. It's something that I really preach nowadays. But, but I think Ken, is, is, he, he really takes that to the next level and he really ensures that the right the, the right solution, no matter what that is, regardless of the technolo- technology is put forward to the client. So you can be sure, you know, that, that reasonable doubt has been excluded, that this is the, the best way forward, you know, that um, it is fit for purpose. But yeah, so they're, they're, they're two people that I think um, have been some huge help and inspiration along my journey. And, and I continue to work with them. That's brilliant. And Mike is actually coming on the show in a couple of weeks um, because I've seen him. I've, I've not had the pleasure of working with Mike yet. Uh, I've been in a, I've just been, it sounds really bad. I've been really busy, which is wonderful. But there is that balance of getting that mentoring. And, and I was very lucky because I joined when I first, you know, two years ago when I first launched and I was feeling that loneliness and feeling like I don't quite know how to scale the business and and how to do it. You know, I don't want to be body shopping. I don't. You can't make a business just body shopping because you you can only manage a certain amount of work and then you've got your own work. So I was trying to find a way to do it, and I was lucky. I joined Oxlap and Paul Holmes, one of my earliest guests, gave me really really solid advice. And that advice was, and I don't know if Mike's ever done this to you, but it was. How are you going to make your first thousand pounds? How are you going to get then get your first thousand pound day? And I, w- I remember saying to him, thousand pounds a day, you're joking. And he went, no, if you're a business, you've got to think about the bottom. Before you think about your salary, you've got to think about the costs of running your business. Now, how much does it cost for you to pay staff? How much are you going to pay your staff and work it back from there? Remember the tax, remember all the other bits, remember the cost. And I went, oh my goodness, I hadn't even thought about that. And it was that light bulb moment where Paul went from the £1,000 to £10,000 day and this is how you scared a business. And I remember just going, apart from walking away going, I don't even know how to start it. Now I look back two years later and I go, that was really good advice. Have you ever received anything like a nugget of that like that that's totally changed the way you think? Yeah, but I'd just like to build on what you say. And I I think the reason why mentors, uh, business coaches, you know, there's there's lots of different names, I suppose. But but, uh, the reason why I think they're they're so useful is because they they don't teach you this sort of stuff in schools. You know, I I, I, I didn't do business at, at, say, A-level where it was an option. But even from what I understand, that's more focusing on bigger economies, bigger businesses. But this whole idea of, of running a small business a lot of the time in the early stages, you're kind of fumbling about a little bit. You might have had some experience before, but you're 
you're often fumbling about and learning on the job, which is a lovely, lovely thing to do. But as you say, there are some pitfalls and there are some really big sort of eye openers. Um, I, I think probably a, a really nice um, thing that I had working with with, with Mike is, is just changing how the, the billing structure at my company worked to just recurring billing. I, 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 it's a, I always used to do it and I don't know why, but I, I always used to run um, hosting contracts for a year. And then at the end of the year, I'd call up the company and say, look, you know, do you want to then continue with another year? You know, these are the stats, these are the help that we've given you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it was taking up so much admin time, um, but just having those conversations with Mike and um, uh, understanding, you know, there's potentially a, a, a lost leader there for clients to say no. We switched it to recurring monthly, recurring quarterly, recurring yearly. But the whole idea is that it's recurring. Right. And, and we do send things like, you know, we send um, things like monthly care reports that detail things like analytics. So There's a lot of streamlining the business there. But it was just that small tweak that freed up a lot of my time. It meant that there's a lot more um, predictable, repeatable cash flow in the business that really just it built up quite a nice sort of safety net within the business that I could then be like, oh, OK, well, you know, OK, project work still does make up a, a huge part of the business, as you'd expect with a web development agency. But having the the, the recurring um, income come from the maintenance and the hosting work that we do is, is just such a nice place to be. So it was that kind of that switch there. It's just a small thing, but you're right. Sometimes it, it's small things like that that can make big impacts. And it's just someone just suggesting, oh, why do you do it like that? Why don't you do it like this? And yeah, sometimes they're just big eye-opening uh, uh, moments. It is that recurring income because, you know, I'm very lucky that my customers come back to me. So they come to me for one, you know, it could be public speaking, it could be social media management, it could be content marketing strategy, whatever the end, the way they've come in. It could be video marketing, actually, uh, because I do a lot of that. So I work with other videographers. So I'm not a videographer, I'm a coach. I can edit, but you're far better to use a videographer. Um, so there's, I've got that going on, but the recurring income is how do you do that? And yes, my customers come back. Yes, they want more video campaigns and all of those things. But actually, I'm a, I'm, I've finally bitten the bullet and I am in development. I've not told anyone. I'm in development on an online course, which hopefully now I, I'm, I've got a pronged attack. You know, it's, it's three modules and you can buy them all and it's all going to come out and it, I'm working on it. But it's not something I thought I would do, but it's that recurring income, which will then allow me to bring in more staff. So really good bit of advice there. Really good. It, it is. And um, yeah, it, it's often the, just the small bits of information that make such a big difference. So, yeah. Awesome. So along the way, there must I mean, you've gone from being a training, learning how all that discipline that you've had when you've been training and although it's repetitive. And I, th I think there's a lovely link here between you were talking about and I'm, I've never weightlifted, but you were talking about certain moves with weightlifting, that repetitive nature, that also discipline that you've got, that must have some way connected you to WordPress because it's got to be discipline. It's got to be some kind of routine. Um, yeah, I, I think probably the, the, the key takeaway from weightlifting and, and, and running a business is there's, there's there's a heck of a lot of hard work that goes into it. It goes into both, to be honest. I mean, if, if you're, you're going to be a, a you know a high performance athlete, there's there's a lot of hard work that you've got to do to get there. And it's the same with, with running a business. Now, I mean, yeah, WordPress is is, is, is an absolutely fantastic tool. It's been iterated over by so many uh, developers out there and, and we're constantly learning and growing and adapting what we think. 
because you've got to stay in line with the latest technology. So there's that sort of similarity there, I suppose. But I, I, I think really that what, what highlights that is, is, is hard work. And, and, and I think once you master that as, as well as discipline, then, yeah, certainly you can, you can put your mind to, 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 to almost anything, I think. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to see what Hayley has said. So, I, Hayley, uh, actually, I'm, I've got to call you later because I'm hoping to get in contact. She says, a frying pan purchase. I wonder if Rapunzel entangled did that much research. I love that, Corinne. And, and nice to meet you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably too young, or your, your child's probably too young to have watched Tangled yet, but wait for the days of Disney. <laughs> I, yeah, she's... Um yeah she she's uh, she 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 is she she can't really i mean it's, and it's a good thing i suppose but she can't really sort of concentrate for more than sort of 10 15 minutes on a program um which yeah we're, we're not you know we're not fussed about at all because um it's nice that she can get down and go play or do whatever but yeah i'm i'm well aware i've got some nieces and nephews and that yeah we're going to have to bite the bullet and get a disney plus subscription <laughs> i think you know sooner or later so did you have any aha moments where you just went uh-huh. I love this question because it's, it's one of my favorite questions. I think I probably ask ask it the most. So aha moments are where you've just gone, nope, this isn't for me. I've I've been there. And you've gone, I'm gonna leave this job, or aha moments can be where you've gone, now I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like me when I sat back and went, Oh yeah, that makes sense. I was an actor, I've I was a sales trainer, I've worked in chance. Oh right, yeah, now I know why I do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I had a aha moment. It was a bit sort of forced on me in a way, but it it it, it was looking back. It was a it was it was a silver lining of a bad situation, but it was a it was a a great sort of pivoting moment for the business. So, um, as a lot of kind of freelancers do in, in small businesses, when you're transitioning from say full time employment or part time employment into a, a business, I. I had a one big freelancing client. Uh, it was Taylor Newspapers. They were responsible for uh, a lot of much-loved local newspapers like the Oxfordshire Guardian, uh, the Basingstoke Observer. Um, and it was a really small company, um, really close-knit team. Um, so, yeah, really in the early stages, uh, I was working sort of freelancing effectively for them for probably about half my time, sometimes more, sometimes less. But they were pretty much my, my sole client. And at the time, yeah, I was bringing in business. I was doing a bit of door knocking and networking and bits and pieces to, to try and drive the, the website business. But I think I, I probably looking back, I, and, I, and I probably did get stuck in a bit of a rut of kind of relying on that big company, I say big company, relying on that one client to provide a lot of my income. So it was like almost I had a, a paid job essentially with mm -hmm. them. Um, well, fast forward a few months and it, the, the business was picking up. I was taking on more work, but not at the sort of the rate that would have sustained going sort of full time with it. And again, because I had that, that sort of that safety net, it, there wasn't any need to. Um, well, anyway, on what it's a Friday, it was a Friday for a bank holiday weekend in May. Um, we all said goodbye, went home um, and then came in on the Tuesday because it was a bank holiday Monday. And unfortunately, the MD's brother was in and said that he passed away on Friday. Uh, the, the, the owner passed away, which was all of a sudden it was really sad it was it was awful to be fair um it, it, yeah it, it yeah it, it kind of and it meant that the company as well just came sort of a bit crashing down as sometimes small businesses are there wasn't much in place to sort of carry it on as a um you know carry on the the, the business trading 
Um, so it, it, it was a really sad time because um, it was just so unexpected. But the, but the one silver lining that I, I kind of draw from it is that it, it meant that that safety net was taken away from me, you know, and that literally meant it was a sink or swim type moment where I had to, you know, it was a face of a choice, you know, kind of go back into a bit of paid employment or, or take the business and, and, and really make a push of it. And, and, and that's what I decided to do. So it was an aha moment, but kind of forced on me. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I just, I just liken it to a, a silver lining to be fair, as I think probably the only thing that you can draw from it, but um yeah, I look back and I think that was probably quite a big pivotal moment on on actually launching the business sort of full time. Thank you for sharing, because when I worked in channel sales, one of the things I, I can remember, and this is working way back in 2013, we, uh, the company I was working for at the time, we had our partners, and Hayley's going to love this one, but we had our partner channel sales partners, and we had the ones which were our top performers, and we had the little ones at the bottom, and you treat everybody the same, and you know that the funnel's coming up, and the smaller customer will get bigger, but one of the top ones went bust overnight. Now, that was not a small amount of income that was coming into the company. That was pretty much the yearly target for one of the sales guys. And I remember learning a really hard lesson at that point because his he, he just had, it was like, that was my account. You know, I've got, and then it was the scrabble of, how do you find that two million, three million, whatever the amount of million were, was that they were paying to the company for sales at the time. How do you get that? And thankfully, the company had this real good structure. And so the people who are at the bottom, we were able to nurture and bring them up and spend that little bit of extra time with them and get them to buy more of the product. But actually, you're really right. If you focus on one thing, that's great all the time you've got it but you've got to make sure that you're funnel and that you're still nurturing. So that's where I say to my clients, social media will take 15 months to really generate a lead. And at 7% of your business, but you're wanting to get in this back to the website, you'll love this link. This is where we're trying to get people off your social media and going to your website and joining up to your mailing list because you own your website and you own your mailing list. And that's where you want to keep looking after them. Now, I only send a newsletter out once a quarter because actually I find anything more than that is too much. I don't know if you talk, if you're prepared to talk about that connection, because I know it's not WordPress, but that connection to owning your owning your customer list. Uh, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And it's it, it, a, a little small tip here is that unless there's really good reason for it is I often would have advised clients against putting their social media channels in the header space of their website. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. Social media channels, they, the social media platforms, they really don't want you to leave their platform and they do everything in their power to keep you in their platform. Um, so unless you've got a particular reason, you, you know, you've got that person off of a social media platform or off of Google or whatever it is to your website, you, you don't want to send them back there. I mean, maybe, again, maybe there are some specific reasons that you might want to if, if you are, you know, a social media guru or whatever it is, you know. But um, but yeah, they, they they really like to hold on tight and they don't like sharing their data because ultimately it's it's their revenue. It, it, it's you know people people spend uh, the, the time that people spend scrolling on their social platforms, are uh, eating up their adverts, are are you know they're, they're eating up their attention span and all these bits and pieces. So they're really protective. But um, yeah, so while we 
don't tend to get too involved with digital marketing. We do set up operations for um, to allow people to effectively, uh, you know, connect their services to the website. Uh, for instance, yeah, um, a, a very common request we get is, can you connect our website so we can have a sign-up form in the footer or a pop-up or whatever it is to our MailChimp, to our MailerLite. I know I have had a look at MailerLite to be It's a lovely platform. It's a lovely platform. Um, <laughs> But, but you know, in, in Clavio and, and whatever that, and, and that's such a such a nice way because, as you say, when you when you've got that sign up, you know, as long as they've opted in um, and it's all GDPR client, uh, compliant, you, you've got that sign up, and they're someone that you can really nurture. They, they've they've shown a, a direct interest into your business. They've taken the time to to add their their details, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think that there's and maybe taking this a step further that there's so many people that that focus a lot on and, and i'm guilty of it too that, that focus a lot on getting you know new customers through the door and, and actually sort of nurturing your mailing list and upselling and all those bits and pieces and i'm sure you know it, it's you know it, it's you, you know this inside and out but it's so much easier to sell to an existing client than it is to to get a you know to, to get a new client on board so you know really nurturing that that mailing list will have a much better impact than than I, what i personally would say than, than putting out a few posts on social media and but um yeah awesome thank you because i think we there's been there's so much pressure on business owners to embrace social media you must be on social media you must you must be on, and you hear it all the time and i keep saying to people you need a presence and you need to be on brand you need to have it linking back to your website all of these things are really important and and you know i do a lot of content i'm not going to sit there and say i don't you know um i'm cutting some back on one of the platforms because actually i can't manage it and i i don't want to overload the the va i've got but I am on all the platforms and I use Pinterest because actually Pinterest is a really slow game, but it's all SEO. So there's a lot of stuff that I do, but I do, I was explaining to someone that the reason I do so much is actually because I help my clients to do it. And the minute I come off something, then I'm losing some of that, that push and pull. And then ultimately I'm trying to get them up the channel to come to me and trust me. But yeah, you know, I, I, I loved your insight there. So thank you so much for sharing that. This is where the tables turn. This is where I have no idea. And I do worry about this every week because I have no idea what the question is be, but you've been in the hot seat. So now you get to ask me something and I get to try and answer it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. So um, get, going back, I know, you know, I, I know you like to talk and, and dive into sort of people's reasons for getting into things. And, and that's what I wanted to take back, you know, go back for with, with you. So you know, acting is such a, you know, is such a desired career, I think, certainly along a lot of children and, um, you know, even adults, it's such a desirable career that, you know, you see celebrities everywhere. But what made you get involved in the first place? What, what drew you to acting? And, and ultimately, what do you think helped you succeed as an actor as well? You know, so many people do, sort of, you know, stumble and fail along the way. So I found myself um, I, I talk about it quite a lot. So I was born with this um, quite a big speech impediment. So I had an operation at four and a half and that then I had to learn to speak. So I had speech therapy and I also had drama classes. And through the drama classes, I discovered I, I could express myself. At the same time as doing drama classes, I was also doing dance classes for the at the same dance school. Now the dance classes came along because actually my sister was knocked over when she was five. So mum, I've just put it out there. I told you I would one day. Um, and my sister needed to learn coordination. So as I was learning to speak, my sister was learning to walk and to talk and to move. So it's quite an important moment in our childhood. And through that, we both kind of expressed ourselves. And I can remember 
we planted this, there was a the drama exercise where you had to get a seed and you had to plant it into the floor of the church hall. So we did it and I was watching this flower coming up and up and up, which actually there was no flower, it was just in your imagination. And that one exercise to this day is still something that I hold dear because I saw the flower and I watched it bloom and it was that imagination of being able to use my mind and it didn't involve this communication. And then I had to public speak, so I did a festival and, and delivered my first poem in public when I was six, which is quite huge. Um, and then I was in through a dancing school show, all of us, my brother, my sister and I at this point. So, yes, Graham, you're going to kill me if you ever watch this. Brilliant tap dancer, my brother. Um, so we were performing and an agent called Dora in English was in the audience and she wanted to take on my brother and I. I mean, we were incredibly cute. My brother was bright blonde and I was very small and tiny with great big eyes. And my, I remember my mum saying, no, you have to take on all three of you because you have to take on Lisa. And of course, disabled children were not the norm in the 70s on TV and we all started doing auditions and it was as simple as that we started doing auditions uh, from about seven, six, seven, eight, something around there I got my first actual paid job when I stole my brother's audition <laughs> it was really <laughs> awful so he'd been invited to audition for Heinz Baked Beans and he went into the room and I was sitting outside but I was tiny and really really small and they went no 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 we want her in the room now I hated baked beans <laughs> and I went into the room and I think it was Michael Sayers was the casting director and they said do you like baked beans I went no I hate them no, anyone who knows me, really, really knows me, is what I say. I've always been pretty blunt. I've always been what I've always been pretty honest, and 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 in some cases a bit too brutal. But at that age, I was worse because I hadn't got the filter because I was you know six, seven, or eight. Um, I got the job. My brother was very angry, but he'd been working for McDonald's and bigger floor cleaner. You know, he was fine. Um, <laughs> and then from the advert. Um, I, we both, Graham and I, got Heinz Spaghetti. And then for Heinz Spaghetti, I worked with Vanessa Ford and I played a child in uh, the Shakespeare one, What You're Not Allowed to Say. And I was just bitten. Um, I recently found out that I got Panto in Ashcroft. I didn't know, but the school wouldn't let me do it because you had to, could only work a certain amount of days. So I had a really successful child acting career. It was brilliant. Then I went to Arts Ed and you weren't allowed to take any work. And it was like, oh, okay, but this was serious training. So I trained and trained and trained and I graduated. Um, by that point, I wasn't such a keen on dancing because I realized I wasn't as good a dancer as people like Adam Cooper, who was a principal soloist of the Royal Ballet. So yeah, let's be honest, I was never gonna be as good as Adam, but <laughs> I could see that that wasn't for me, but I did hoof and I got into 42nd Street and I worked my butt off and I wasn't the best dancer and I had to have special rehearsals because my arms are too long. Um, they are really long, you'll notice that next time you see me. Yeah. Um, then I hung up my dancing shoes and actually I'm going to put it out there that the reason I managed to get acting work wasn't always because of talent, it was because of the connections I had. So I was married to an actor who, uh, that one broke down because it, these things do happen, act, acting, acting, uh, it's a, a lot of pressure when you're not both working. Uh, but he had a lot of connections and I met those. And then I was casting, going out for, for meetings. And through the connections I met through my ex-husband, I managed to get a really lovely career. And I, I will put a shout out to David Mackay. I wouldn't have got the acting work that I got as, a, as an adult if it hadn't been for David Mackay. He 
was so he's Davy Mackay, brilliant, brilliant man. He is a actor in his own right. He is a director. Him and Peter Mullen are just a power duo in Scotland. And Davy was the person who saw something in me. So I was struggling, like many, many people, and I sang at a karaoke bar in um Glasgow and he turned around and went I didn't know you could sing and at that point he went you've actually got something and then he got me the gig at my parents aliens I did that twice he got me the gig at my at Basil Brush and he got me the gig at Shoebox Zoo so I'm gonna put it out there I would not have had a career if it hadn't been for actually meeting my ex-husband and then meeting David Mackay so you know I'll, I'll gratitude I know the relationship broke down, but it wouldn't have happened because acting is hard and it's a lot of luck. It is a lot of connections. And when I left, then um, I left, when I left my first husband, I left my career. It was as simple as that. Um, by that point, it was just, it was, it just wasn't right for me any longer. So, so there's a sadness because, you know, there always will be, but I am grateful. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, it was a long one. Honesty there, that was that was lovely. That was lovely to hear. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a long one because it's it's not just people think that you are going to get go to drama school, you're going to graduate, and you're going to get a job. And for some, that does happen. But a lot of people have never been to drama school. They're just natural and they make it and they're good and you know Davy is one of those he is he started like me as a child actor and I love I genuinely love the man so yeah there you go <laughs> you know it, it's uh, uh, there's there's there are there's a lot that can be said sometimes for, for circumstance for, for instance I probably would have been never you know never would have been part of the Great Britain squad had I not gone to school in in Didcot because um, ultimately, there are very few, you know, that's a world class sort of weightlifting center there. So there's lottery funded. There's a fantastic coach, a great team. But yeah, I, I mean, had I been born slightly, you know, in, you know, 15 miles north or something, went to Abingdon or whatever it was, maybe. Yeah. And, and so I, I think, yeah, there's a there's a lot that can be said sometimes about circumstance. But but ultimately as well, you know, you, you said it, I think it comes back to a bit of hard work. You know, what you said is is you put in a lot of effort to get there and to go through your education, your training. Um, so it, it's that sort of combination. You know, I remember um, uh, hearing a quote, there was something along the lines of um, luck is opportunity multiplied by preparation, you know, and it's that similar thing. So opportunity is the the fortunate that you know you were you were able to to meet those people but the preparation you put in it just really just um enhanced that uh you know many times over so <laughs> like you there was a lot of training thank you so much for joining me this morning it's been an absolute pleasure um make sure you drop your uh, link in the comments that this will be also uploaded on spotify so um and uh, apple and all the other platforms out there so um do make sure you everyone can get in contact with you and thank you so much for your time thank you very much for having me on that it's been lovely